0: Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, good morning and welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast. My name is M.A. Dozier um, and I am glad to be back with you again today. Um, Today is an awesome day. I'm I'm excited about uh, you hearing the story of my buddy, Nate Bauman. Him and his two sons actually came down for a striper fishing trip. Uh, And if you don't know what Nimrod Outdoors does, we do uh, outdoor trips for dads and their kids. We do hunting trips, fishing trips, camping trips um and so nate came down with his two sons they did some striper fishing yesterday caught some big fish uh your one of your sons has a picture of him holding holding a fish like like a a thing like a football or a pillow it's so big um but uh One thing we also do with the ministry in Emirate Outdoors is provide respite care retreats for uh, pastors and missionaries. Um, And the unique thing about Nate and his family, uh, his wife Meta and their three kids, Emma, Josh and Noah, is that they are full-time missionaries in Kosovo. Um, They got called uh, to that about three years ago. Um, And so I'm just excited for Nate to be here and tell a little bit about his story. And so Nate, thank you for being with us this morning.
1: Man, hey, May, thank you so much for having me, and what a blast we've had down here so far, visiting and getting to fish yesterday, And um, but I think even more, just sitting around the fire, talking, and um, just catching up. It's been really, really good. Well, good, man, good. So, uh, well, let, let's not waste any
0: time. Let, let's dive right in, and uh, so, Nate, tell me a little bit about your story, um, and how God even called you to missions to begin with.
1: Yeah, well thank you so much M.A. again and I'm humbled to be able to share with you, with you all this morning. Um, my story is not too different than a lot of people's where um, I grew up in a, a broken home. Uh, my dad had um, a lot of addiction issues and other. Um, he dealt with narcissism and some other major problems um, and it ended up driving a permanent wedge between um, he and my mom. And so when I was uh, 16 years old, my mom and uh, myself and my younger sister and brother, we ended up moving from Florida to western North Carolina, to the Hendersonville area. And that was one of the most difficult uh, chapters in my life. But God used that as almost like a trumpet in my soul, uh, as a wake-up call, a clarion call, if you would. I was actually reading um, the book, Nate Saint, Jungle Pilot. Nate Saint was one of the missionary martyrs who was killed in Ecuador in 1956, I believe. And uh, So I was reading his biography, and God spoke to me so powerfully through that book at the age of 16, and He placed a call on my life for missions. I will never forget it. It was very, very clear. And people were like, well, do you actually hear God speak? Not audibly through your ears, you hear it in your heart and it is clear. And that's what happened to me. And, um, and although my, my personal life, my, my course in life, wavered from time to time from that calling, I'm so thankful that almost 30 years later, we finally got to the mission field. By college, when I got into college, I still really felt called to missions, we did a lot of short-term trips. Um, Guys, if you've never been on a mission trip, even a short-term trip for a week or two, I would say take the opportunity and go. To be able to spend time in another culture, meet different people, eat different types of food, um, all your senses are heightened. Um, And it's all for the gospel. I mean, what a rush. And and, and is there a better thing out there to do for the kingdom? I can't think of anything. And maybe I'm just a little biased, but man, it's awesome.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: Um, So short-term trips through college, still felt that call very clearly on my life. Um, Ended up getting married to uh, Julie, my first wife, in 2000. And in 2001, we moved um, from Tennessee down to New Orleans for seminary. We um, had the intention, obviously, of studying missions and trying to prepare to become missionaries. And and so we were able to do that, but the doors just never opened. We did several short-term trips during that time. Um, But as far as something long-term launching out, just Julie and I, That wasn't God's plan at that time uh, in our lives. And so I went to seminary, Julie went to seminary. We spent about eight years down in New Orleans and um, ended up moving back to Tennessee, wondering, kind of scratching our heads, what, God, what do you have for us? What are we doing? We have this education, we have this calling, now we just need to go. And the the doors just uh, continue to close in front of us. Let me let me interrupt you there and Nate, let me
0: ask you a question. Like what talk to me about you and Julie's mindset of you had that calling, you had the passion, but the doors were not opening, like um, walk me through a little bit about your process there. and Was there frustration? Was there anger? Was there just, were you uh, an awesome follower of Christ and said, hey, God, you know, what? <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever, and I'm good if you don't send me? Uh, t- talk to me a little bit about that.
1: No, I wasn't, I wasn't very awesome in that moment uh, through that period of time. No, there was, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of head scratching, a lot of questioning, like, God, this is what we both want to do. You've called us together as a as a couple, as a married couple, to do this. Why aren't we there yet? And so frustration, confusion, all those emotions were part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you for
0: uh, being honest about that.
1: Yeah. So we were we were really just at a point of our in our lives where we're both working full time and um, just wondering, okay, God, what's next? What do you have next for us? And at the time, the only jobs we could get. And there's nothing nothing wrong with this. I absolutely love my time uh, in social work, but we were both working in social work, in the foster care system, and um, and it just dawned on both of us, why don't we become foster parents? Here we were um, married. We'd been married for about 10 years at that time and um, weren't able to have children of our own and always wanted a family. Like, okay, maybe this is the direction God would have for us. And sure enough, we We were able to go ahead and get um, approved and and trained to be foster parents in the state of Tennessee. We were approved at the end of November, and on December 6th, we got a call for our first, ended up being our first son, Noah. Um, He was 24 hours old, and we we met him right in the hospital. Man, that's awesome. And I, I think back on that day, and I get emotional. Even though I've never had kids of my own through the actual birth system, I do know what it's like to take a, a brand new baby home from the hospital and, and, and I'm still um, super proud and emotional about it today. That's great. Um, so Noah is now nine, so that was nine years ago, that's hard to believe. Um, so we started out with Noah and, um, and God blessed us with two more kids, um, Joshua and Emma. Um, so Josh and Noah, our, our two oldest, are only two and a half months apart. So basically they're being reared and raised as twins. I mean, everybody says, oh, are they twins? And I have to explain the whole thing. And it's funny, because over in Kosovo, they have no concept of foster care or adoption, really. I mean, they know what adoption is, but foster care is not a thing. And so, like, how can you have two sons that are only two and a half months apart? Because we know (laughs) how long it takes to have a baby. Um, So anyway it's been fun trying to explain that but uh but yeah um God gave us Joshua and Emma and we were able to finalize the adoption we were able to adopt all three of them but we finalized the adoption for Joshua and Emma um, in July of 2015 they became ours part of our family and about two weeks later at the end of July Julie, my first wife, was diagnosed with stage four endometrial cancer. And so we spent the next eight months um, dealing with chemo and doctor's visits and hospital stays, um, all the mess that um, a lot of people have gone through. I'm, I'm not unique in that, um, but what is interesting or unique maybe is that at the time we had um, two two-year-olds and a one-year-old And juggling work and daycare and Julie being sick a lot of the time. uh, It was a a very difficult year, as you can imagine. She ended up passing away um, in 2016, early 2016. And at that time, um, I was obviously alone. I had two three-year-olds and a two-year-old um, living in Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. And I was like, God, what is going on? I'm, I'm devastated, heartbroken, grieving all the emotions. Plus I've got three little kids, um, that are depending on me. I feel totally inept, totally inadequate in order to be able to, uh, to be both mother and father to these little kids. Um, and I knew in my heart that that's not the way God's designed it you know he, he's designed a family to be a mom and a dad um, <clears throat> so I just spent a lot of time in prayer I tell people all the time I felt God's arms literally wrapped around me holding me and carrying, carrying me through uh, that season in my life I would kind of halfway tongue-in-cheek joke with 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 folks about you know if I could get them fed and Uh, bathed every once in a while, uh, in bed at night, and nobody cried, you know, nobody had to go to the hospital, I I would feel like that was a success, like that was a good day. I mean, literally taking every day, moment by moment, just trying to get through the end of the day, when I could cry myself to sleep. Um, And so yeah, that was a a difficult time, a dark time. Um, But man, I was, let's see, I was 30... I was forty years old at the time, and um, and just I knew God had something big, something else, there was something more. And so ended up um, made the plans to move back to Western North Carolina to be closer to my mom and and stepdad and um, to have their help and support. And I always wanted to move back to the mountains. And so we ended up moving. and shortly after that, I met Meta. Who is now my second wife, and um, and man, what a blessing she has been—not only to me, but um, to our kids. And so we got married in May of 2017, about 13 months after Julie passed away. Um, and she has just been an absolute blessing, an absolute godsend. Interesting about Meta is that she had always wanted to be a mom and a wife, and. God kept closing those doors as well kind of like in my life with, with going to the field as a missionary and uh, and actually what happened was he was preparing her for us, for me, for this new ministry of of becoming my wife and their mom and so uh, but also God also had a, a call on her heart he had placed a call on her heart for missions too, she had done short term trips and Loved going overseas and sharing the gospel. And so um, it was just a beautiful picture of God bringing two people together with backstories and and baggage and and different things, but bringing us together to form uh, a more beautiful uh, tapestry of what His plan was for our lives and for my life personally. And so we got married and still didn't really think about the mission field that much. We were just trying to create a home and get settled in, And um, but it was only about six months after we got married that somebody put a bug in our ear and said, hey, why don't you go explore uh, the organization that we're with? Why don't you go check them out and, and just see about going to the mission field full time? We're like, yeah, whatever. But we started praying about it. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up filling out the paperwork and got the paperwork in just at the deadline um, for this event that they were having to be able to go down there, check out the organization, and just it's just kind of an exploration type of process. Um, still no commitment, but just wanted to go see. And sure enough, man, you talk about doors closing earlier the doors now were flying open. I mean, every step we took, there was movement, there was um, God's just, his presence was there. It was absolutely amazing. And we found ourselves in the process of raising support, becoming missionaries within a year of being married um, to Meta. And so talk about a whirlwind, it was crazy. And so, yeah, so we got married in uh, May of 2017. And ended up in Kosovo on the ground in September of 2019, and we've been there ever since.
0: Man, that's that's amazing. Um, I, w- I want to unpack that a little bit because um, Nate, your story has always inspired me, and uh, just even watching you with your boys this weekend, uh, Chelsea, and I were talking about the amount of patience that you you bestow, um, and just uh, you know how how well you love them. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, you felt called to missions, which is exciting and awesome, and Meta felt called to missions. But talk to me about finally saying, all right, we're going to pack up our entire family, two six year olds, and how old was Emma? Five. Five <laughs> at a time, and go to uh, another country that you don't know the language. You, you know, you just talk to me about that because. I know us talking, uh, it, it, well, it doesn't really make sense to us maybe either, but for some people probably going to listen to this podcast, like that sounds absolutely insane crazy, but we know that God works inside the insane crazy. Um, so talk to me about you and Meta's decision to do that and, you know, just talk me through that a little bit, because that, that's not normal, especially in our society today, for someone to be like, Hey, we got married, and we got three young kids, and now we're going to somewhere we
1: don't even know how to speak the language. Yeah. Well, when you put it that way, it does sound kind of uh, <laughs> kind of extraordinary. But in uh, Meta, too, to her credit, man, she was a brand new mom. A brand new wife, and now she's going to be a brand new missionary, and that's exactly how God planned it. Um, But you know, when you lay it out that way, it does kind of sound like totally countercultural. But to me personally, it only made sense. It was like that's the next logical step for our family. Um, So we still have our home in in Western North Carolina, um, which we're so thankful for, and so we are able to come home. Uh, from the mission field and have a place to land so we didn't have to sell our home but we did get rid of a lot of stuff and we did make the transition of moving our family overseas Um, and while it does or while it may seem kind of crazy when you're when you're following the Lord and you're doing what he wants you to do to that person to you personally it doesn't feel crazy it just feels like the next the next best thing to do the next the next step. You you just you gotta do it. You just feel like you have to do it. I would be more miserable if I didn't obey and be obedient in that step of faith than it you know, than, than just doing it. Just say, Okay God, I trust you, I surrender, I submit. Wow, that's that's a good word. Um so
0: now y'all are in Kosovo, you've been there three years. Um Talk to me a little bit about Kosovo and the culture and why Kosovo, why, why did you feel called there? Um, talk a little bit about the work you do there um, and, and what all that looks like and uh, share with us a
1: little bit about that. Yeah, so we weren't initially planning on Kosovo. Um, my heart had always been in South America or Central America. Meta's missionary experience was, was there too. And so we had both learned Spanish pretty well. And we we just thought, okay, that's where God's gonna, gonna lead us. You know, it just made sense. But oftentimes in this walk of faith, it doesn't make sense in our minds, in our eyes. Um, Meta loves coffee. And so she was looking at other places (laughs) around the world that had, um, that had needs for missionaries. Um, and she also hates snakes. And so South America didn't really fit that bill. Not what I would pictured in the jungle somewhere. And so we started broadening our, um, our prayer scope of, God, okay, where do you want us to go? And long story, but we, we ended up meeting some, some missionaries from Bosnia, and they invited us to come see their work and um, come take what's called a vision trip. And so we started planning to go to Bosnia to visit. Um, and right around there, there were two other teams. There was one in Albania and one in Kosovo. And we are like, okay, if we're gonna go all the way over here, we might as well check out Albania and Kosovo and Bosnia, go to all three. Well, <clears throat> it's another funny story, but uh, and it wasn't funny at the time, but it's great now. But uh, we got <laughs> to Bosnia and the second day we were there, with the team meta came down with acute appendicitis and had to have her appendix out um and you have to imagine the hospital kind of like 1950s soviet era um, horror movie kind of thing because that's about what it was (laughs) and that's no exaggeration you're walking down the hallway and every third light is out and the other two are kind of flickering as you're, you're walking. And it was just really creepy. Um, and the other funny thing was, is I could only visit her for one hour a day. So for 23 hours, she was she was in the hospital every day recovering. But praise God, uh, they got her appendix out, and she's doing just fine now. Um, but because of that, we weren't even able to visit the team in Albania. We only had time to, to visit... Uh, Kosovo and we only had about 48 hours there but that was enough. God sealed the deal and he said this is where I want your family to be. So uh, what we're doing now is we are church planters. Um, we work very closely with our local pastor, our local church. We have um, and our city is a, uh, a city of about 150,000 people. It's 95% Muslim um, and so there are about 40 Christians in our city. We have three small churches that, that meet regularly. And so um, one of our things that we've been able to um, to really just encourage and, and help with is trying to get the fellowships to work together, to continue to build unity um, within the small church there in our city. And God's just done amazing amazing things. We've seen a lot of growth, a lot of, there are several believers that um, have been closet believers. They don't want to, they don't want um, to actively go to church or, or they feel like their faith is personal. And so they, they're, they're, I don't know if they're scared or, or what um, because we don't really, we don't face persecution, but I think the Albanians who are believers, I know they face persecution, persecution within their family, um, to, to, to be Albanian over there is to be Muslim. And so if you're going to convert to Christianity, you're turning your back on Islam. You're turning your back on your traditions, your family. And so it's a big deal, uh, for someone to come to Christ. But we've seen that we've seen it happen and our church is slowly starting to grow. Um, and so praise God, we're just going to continue to, to do that and share the gospel with as many Muslims over there as we can
0: man that's awesome um so tell me and the listeners a little bit about the demographics um and a little bit of history at kosovo because when you i know I when you told me that the first time it like it blew my mind um to talk about their history and really their history just in recent years and sure. that is a big reason of why y'all felt called to kosovo sure yeah
1: the first question we usually get is where is kosovo people think it's part of Russia or something like that but no we're actually located in southeastern Europe uh, we're just north of Greece and Macedonia and just east of Albania um, kind of in this uh, the southern Balkans Balkans area is where we're located um, but yeah the country itself is um, a small country very very tiny we, um, they gained their independence um, as a nation back in 1998 Uh, it's a country of about two million people and it's ninety five percent Muslim the government is secular and the government is trying very desperately to to join the EU the European Union and so they don't want to be seen as religious they want to be seen as secular but all the people are Muslims Um, it's actually the most uh, it has the highest concentration of Muslims in all of Europe. So it's the most Muslim-y, if I could say that, country in all of Europe. And so that was a big reason why um, we felt called to go there. Uh, the need is so great. You walk the streets. And by the way, I'm, I'm hoping to get MA and, and Chelsea over to visit us in the next couple of years. But, we would love it. But you walk the streets and everywhere you look, every single person... You make eye contact, or every face you see, you know they're lost, and it's such a surreal way of living. Because, um, it, and if you're not careful, you can get numb to that, and and that's mm. something I've I've kind of had to check inside of my heart um, because everybody's lost. I mean, there's only 40 believers in the whole city, so um, 40 you, believers in the whole city of how many people? 150,000 people. So what? If we're going to talk
0: about percentages,
1: yeah. do you know what that percentage <laughs> comes from? Well, I to? know, yeah, I know in Kosovo, the amount of, of believers is about 0.0001%. Uh, and so it's, by all definitions, unreached, completely unreached. So it's a tenth of 1%. Maybe even smaller. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, so I think in the whole country, if I had to guess, I'd. I would say there're probably 150 believers, maybe 200 out of 2 million. Um, so yeah, I'm not a math whiz, but it's a small, small, small percentage. Sure. So, uh, you know, we
0: you talk about that, and it, man, it just the verse in Matthew where Jesus is like, "The harvest is plentiful, um, Absolutely. and the and the workers are few." Absolutely. Um, and so there is it kind of as an American. Um, even as an American in me that has been overseas and seen different cultures, that statistic right there still Mm -hmm. just blows my mind. Like I can't comprehend it because I live in the middle of rural Georgia, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in the middle of nowhere Georgia, and yet there are still probably 10 or 15 churches Mm
1: -hmm.
0: within a 20 mile radius of me in remote Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, at evangelical churches, you know? And so to think, I live in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, but there's still access to 15 or 20 churches that I could get up to any Sunday morning, go to no problem, to now you have an entire country of two million people, and you got less than a tenth of one percent. Um, it, it's mind-boggling to me a
1: little bit. It is. It, it's staggering if you think of it that way. Um you know people ask us all the time well, well there's there's needs here there're lost people right here in this neighborhood why why would you need to pack up your family and move overseas and i you know the simple answer is it's because god called us to and obviously god has you here so you are the missionary for the neighborhood and the people here yeah um, we're all called to be on mission every single one of us it doesn't matter if you're a plumber or you work in construction or you work at the store, it doesn't matter. We're all called to be obedient, share the gospel, share the good news that we've been given, that we've accepted, um, and we want to see it, man. We want to see as many people get saved and as many people spend eternity in heaven as possible. Mm,
0: that's so good. <clears throat> um, yeah, you, you just said something like, you, you and your family were called to do that. Um, and, man, that's something that's that's firm on my heart, um, and I've talked about on this podcast before, is what is God calling you to do? Um, and you can't just simply look at, you know, the dozers can't look at the bondman's and be like, oh, that's it, we got to go do that. Um, or, you know, look at another person, uh, you know, even godly people in our lives, and look at and see what they're doing and say, well, if I'm going to be godly and I got to go do that. No, we really individually have to sit down at the feet of Jesus and say, what are you calling me to do? Because if the dozers did what the bombings are doing, it may be godly, but it is not what God called the dozers to do, and so therefore we're being disobedient. Um, And so man, in simple words, what you just told me was, your family was just being obedient to what God called you to do. Um, And so maybe you're sitting here listening to this today and God's calling you to do something, You know, I think what Nate would say, what I'm saying is you just need to be obedient to that. Um, And even if it doesn't look like, I mean, Nate, I know we just moved two states down. Um, You moved overseas. But I know in our life, even just moving two states down, people were asking questions. And and good Christian, quote unquote, godly folks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. asking questions of we don't understand this. Um, And you kind of alluded to the fact earlier that. It it doesn't make sense except for the fact that God called you to do that and called your family to do it. Um, And so I know for us, moving down here, it didn't make sense to the world. And really, if I got outside of the realm of the bubble of what God had called me to do, looking
1: at it, it didn't make sense. But if God called us to do it, we need to be obedient. Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't make sense in in the Christians... You know, the Christian realm, the Christian bubble, if it doesn't make sense in their eyes, you know it doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. But neither did Jesus' life. His life didn't make sense in his time and in his culture and the things that he did and the people that he hung out with. Um, and so, yeah, I would just continue to, to encourage anybody. If God is calling you to do something, by all means, the faster you submit to it, humble yourself and say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. Your life is gonna be richer, fuller, um, full of joy. I mean, there's just so many adjectives that you could just throw in there um, and your life will be so much better.
0: Yeah. Well, you said something um, the other day or yesterday while we were on the boat, um, you know, taking the kids swimming and letting them enjoy the lake a little bit. and you said something, you were directing it toward me, but I could see on your face and in your heart, it was, it was coming from your own life. And, and you said, man, what a blessing it is to live out a life in what you're doing, something you enjoy doing. Um, and for me, I love the outdoors. I love loving on people. Um, my whole family does. That's something we enjoy. We look forward to hosting people, to just love on them lavishly. Mm. Um, but yet, in your face, in your heart, you might have been talking about me. But I could tell it was coming from yeah. you being called to missions in Kosovo, um, and that that fills you up, and that that gives you and your family joy. Um, and so, is there hardships in it? Absolutely. Is there struggles? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I hope I'm not overstepping here, but Meta lost one of her parents mm-hmm. while y'all were over there, and you lost your dad. Um, they both passed away, and so. Um, being that far away and losing a parent, um, you know that's always in the back end of your mind. So there's always hurdles. Mm-hmm. But I think listening to you talk and your comment to me that was directed toward me, but <laughs> coming from your heart, sure. you know is, uh, you know y'all may come back to the states for a time, but your calling and and your passion is doing what God has called y'all to do. Um, Absolutely. And so you're here till January, but mm-hmm. y'all are planning to go back. Uh, for another three years, and, yep. and you said even you know even further than that. You, you, I think your exact words to me, we're going until God makes it
1: abundantly clear we're not called to go anymore. Yep, yep, that's so, exactly right. Yeah, and just to piggyback off what you just said, I mean this life of faith, and trust me, I'm not some super spiritual guy. You know, missionaries aren't some super spiritual. You know, any. I, the idea that sometimes missionaries are put on pedestals, it's just, I feel like the B team. I feel like, man, God, if you can use a wretch like me, you can use anyone, you know? Um, and so it's, it's more of that idea. Um, but this life of faith, this, this is the greatest adventure you'll ever go on. A life of daily walking in obedience and seeing God provide for those needs those hurdles that are too big for us to climb over, um, and God shows up in just amazing ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would encourage anybody, um, if you're stuck in some dead-end job and you feel like, God, there's got to be so much more to life, there's got to be so much more to what you're calling me to do, search the Scriptures, continue to pray, and He will call you. He will show you what He wants you to do in your life. And that's that's great. So Nate, let me ask you a question. If if somebody
0: wanted to um, keep up with you guys um, getting, you know, or even maybe reach out to, you know, just ask for some encouragement or knowledge or ask questions of like, you know what organization are you with? Like, how did you go through this process? Tell me how they best can um, stay in touch with you guys. Um, I know y'all do a newsletter and stuff like that, but how can they get in touch with you guys?
1: Yeah, so probably email would be the best. Um, and I, I, I'm happy to give my email here. But um, well, well, what we'll do is we'll put it in the link, Chelsea. Perfect. In the link. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, reach out to us. Um, via email and we'll be glad or happy to, to add you to our um, our email newsletter that's it's a quarterly newsletter um, and yeah you're able to, to, to keep up with all the the happenings going on with the ballmans
0: yeah, well that's awesome, man. Um well I just wanna say we've had a absolute blast with you guys down here. Um, you know, y'all got to go out with uh Jerry Catole and catch some fish and we got to eat some good food and have some fun and get on the boat last night and go swimming. Um and uh it's just it's been a pleasure to host you guys and we're looking forward to having you and Meta hopefully back this fall. Um but Nate, I wanna tell you something, man. Uh I know Emma is uh haven't really got to meet her this weekend um and so I'm excited to to meet her and get to know but your two boys man let me tell you what they're going to set the world on fire um and uh, it's awesome to see them and see uh that they got a dad that tremendously loves them and uh man what a picture it is you know we're all called that we were adopted into the into the um kingdom of Christ and and so to hear y'all's story of, of adoption, um, is, is amazing. Um, and so guys, you know, we, we are big proponents here on foster care and adoption. Um, there is such an amazing need for that. Um, so this is an awesome story because you hear about, uh, foster and adoption, you hear about brokenness, but you hear about redemption in Christ. You hear about a calling on your life. Um, and you hear about going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus in some, uh, some different country and or maybe it means right around the corner for you um, but just being obedient in God's call so Nate man you you dang dumped a 50 gallon drum on us today <laughs> <laughs> and a lot to soak in and a lot to um, you know mull over but but Nate thank you for being with us today um, and uh, I'm excited to continue this relationship with you guys um, and, and hopefully Chelsea and I and maybe even the kids can come over to Kosovo uh, here in the next year or so, and enjoy some time. But thank you for being
1: with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this opportunity to share um, a little bit of of my story and my heart and and the the calling that God's placed on on my life, um, not only for fostering and adoption, which is a huge passion of mine, uh, but also missions and sharing the gospel. Um, We're all called to do something. We're all called to share with our neighbors, our our, our oikos, our people around us. And so I would just encourage you out there to be obedient and do what God's asking you to do.
0: Man, good work. Well, guys, uh, thank you for listening. As always, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.